it's truth. Whatever God ordains for us, it's good. It doesn't always feel good, but the reality is he's a good father and a great provider. Amen? You may be seated. What a special morning this is. I mean, since we planted King's Chapel back in September, um, I've had the privilege of preaching every Sunday except for one. that I had a wedding uh, up in Buffalo, New York last October, and a guy named Dr. Joel Hunter uh, came and preached for us. Uh, we've had David Outing scheduled to preach. I had another wedding to do out of town in Tallahassee, and David was slotted to preach. And this thing called COVID-19 uh, came about, and we had to uh, cancel church for that Sunday. Uh, he was scheduled again to come in, and his mom went to be with Jesus uh, right before that. So, uh, uh, David, we pursued you. We weren't going to give it up, and so... We have the privilege. Let me give you a little intro to David Outing. Um, I call him my pastor. He was born just a month before me, maybe two. Were you September or October? Two months before me. So if he does look older. He's older than me quite a bit, two months. Um, I call him my pastor because when I need to hear godly wisdom and when I need to be reminded of truth, and oftentimes when my heart is broken or my ministry might be a little bit in shambles, um, the one I want to reach out to is David. Because I know what David's going to give me. And he's going to give it to you today. He's going to give you Jesus. And he's going to do it in a winsome way. In a loving way. In a, guy, a way that loves knuckleheads like me. Uh, David Outing uh, grew up in an amazing home. Uh, heard about the truths of the gospel from a young age. His dad was an evangelist at the age of 12. I mean, come on. What have you done with your life, bro? I mean, come on. That's amazing. Um, he and his wife, April, are blessed. I was counting them up. Uh, what are you saying? Four boys and two girls. So you got six. I mean, I could give you a ready. You ready? David, you have uh, Michael, Nathan, Daniel, Rosa, and Rachel. Yeah, I've been praying for them. So uh, he married uh, the girl next door, literally, uh, April. Uh, amazing marriage. He's not only a bishop, uh, he's also a business owner. Um, he is a community leader. He is a brother and friend. And when we kneel down and pray next to each other, we realize it's like 600 pounds of pastor prayer right there, right? So would you please welcome my pastor, my friend, our brother in Christ, Bishop David Outings in the house. Man, you crazy. <laughs> it's not a very COVID-19. That's all right. That's all right. God bless you all this morning. Uh, what an honor and privilege it is to be here with my King's Chapel family. Uh, let us pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to share from your word. My simple prayer, Lord, is that the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, will be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. And a heart to be receptive to your word. Because the entrance of your word brings light. And I pray, God, that the glorious light of the gospel will shine so bright this morning. We honor you. We glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. We do honor the Lord because he is everything to us. Um, he has been my Lord and Savior, it seems, all of my life. But certainly at the age of 11 um, when there was a turn in my life where Jesus became uh, so real to me. Uh, growing up in church, I'm a PK, pastor's kid, 
So church is all we knew. And back in the day, we went to church all the time. I remember, I remember my dad preaching a 50-night revival. We were in church 50 nights straight. We had to take our uh, homework to, to church and do our homework in the back pew. And um, we just lived in the glorious presence of, of God and worship just growing up. And I wouldn't give anything uh, for how the Lord has uh, raised us. Uh, I have three brothers who are all pastors as well, and uh, our only sister, who uh, Dr. Reese, who is a principal at a middle school, and we are still yet grieving the death and loss of our mom, who joined dad, uh, and they're both uh, in glory, just having a wonderful time in Jesus. We do honor my great friend, uh, Pastor Jeff Jakes, and Lady Katie, we honor you. God bless you. Would you clap your hands for the pastor? And, and in our tradition, we call First Lady of the church and all of uh, the King's Temple family. I'm certainly honored to be here with the loveliest lady in the land of uh, almost 33 years, uh, my wife, April. Amen. And I'm going to clap for her if nobody else do. <laughs> Uh, we are blessed to have six children and six grandchildren with uh, one grandbaby on the way. So the family continues to grow and expand. There is a word from the Lord, and um, as I was preparing for today, just, Lord, what would you have uh, me to say? And my thoughts kept going back to um, a scenario that God uh, brought to my attention as the country, the world, and certainly the country, the United States of America, um, is grappling with multiple pandemics at this time. Certainly there's the, the pandemic of COVID-19, and then there's certainly the, the pandemic of racial disharmony uh, of what's going on in our country. And there's a lot that we could say uh, about that, uh, but as I was um, assessing, you know, what has been happening uh, in our country, uh, the Lord brought this scenario to me, and that scenario was Jesus standing before Pilate and the mob of people back in Jerusalem almost 2,000 years ago, and standing next to him was another gentleman by the name of Barabbas, Barabbas, and God was begin, begin to just kind of share with me that the two choices that the Jewish people and that community had at that time are the same two choices that we have today, and I want to talk about that uh, in our message today. So let me call your attention to Matthew 27, 16, and 17. Uh, we're going to read probably uh, about nine verses, um, uh, two verses in Matthew, two in Mark, and uh, two in Second Corinthians. We're going to be all over the Bible today, so just follow, follow with me, uh, if you will. Uh, and and the, 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 the title of my message, if I was to have one, would be, Which Jesus Will You Choose? Which Jesus Will you choose? And so Matthew 27, 16 and 17 reads, At that time, they had a well-known prisoner 
whose name was Jesus Barabbas. And I don't know if anybody understood or realized that in the older manuscripts, um, Barabbas also had the name Jesus. He was Jesus Barabbas. Many of the older texts includes it, such as the Orthodox Jewish Bible, the Tree of Life uh, Jewish uh, version, the NIV, the NRSV. And there's a number of versions that include that, but many of the scribes and some of the other versions left that out because they did not want to confuse the people. That there was Jesus, the one called the Messiah, and standing next to him was Jesus Barabbas. I thought that was interesting. We're going to walk that a little bit and, and, and try to bring some explanation there and some clarification there. And this other prisoner whose name was Jesus Barabbas, so when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked him, which one do you want me to release to you? Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Messiah? Again, this message is, which Jesus will you choose? Mark 15, 6 and 7 says, now it was the custom at the festival to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising. And as I leave the Gospels and go to the writings of Peter, I mean of Paul rather, 2 Corinthians 11, 3 and 4 says, But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you received a different spirit from the spirit you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. Paul acknowledges that a different Jesus and gospel would be preached. The final verses I want to read, it may not be on your screen, but I want to read from Amos 8, 11 through 13. That is Amos 8, 11 through 13, and then we're going to do like Grandma would do and put all this together and make a meal out of it. Is that all right? The days are coming, declares the Sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land. Not a famine of food or thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. People will stagger from sea to sea, wandering from north to east, searching for the word of the Lord. But they will not find it. In that day, the lovely young women and strong young men will faint because of thirst. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Pastor Tony Evans describes this passage and the book of Amos as a time period during the reigns of Uzziah and Jeroboam II. And it was one of prosperity, a time of prosperity, a time of military success for both Israel and Judah. And Samaria... The capital city of Israel, for instance, experienced wealth and luxury. However, 
This was accompanied by idolatry and moral decline. I wonder what other nation does this remind us of? As a result, Amos cried out against Samaria's wickedness and self-indulgence. Though its leaders experienced prosperity, the poor was exploited, and it was against this nation bereft of righteousness, full of corruption and idolatry, that Amos was sent to prophesy. Let justice flow like water and righteousness like an unfailing stream. Which Jesus will you choose? Who is this Jesus Barabbas? He was a notable prisoner, bound in chains as a prisoner. He was a murderer. He was a troublemaker. He was a robber. And Barabbas, in many ways, is a descriptor of us all. The scenario we see playing out before our very eyes is a scene one nation was faced with many years ago. That nation was ruled by tyrants with their civil and human rights abridged in place of forced loyalty. We're talking about the Romans, the Roman government. Forced loyalty to leaders who disregarded the rule of law that governed this nation. And two men emerged in this epic. Two men that emerged who represented opposing ideas and strategies to confront the oppressor. Interesting enough, they both represented a similar similar thought. One was Jesus of Nazareth. The son of the father. And then there is Bar Abbas. Bar meaning son and Abbas meaning father. And so Barabbas, his name literally means son of a father. And so you have Jesus, son of the father. And then you have this other fellow named Jesus, son of a father. Both standing next to each other. Both having the opportunity to be free, both having the opportunity to be chosen by the population of people, which one would they choose? Hmm. Which son would they choose? The son, the one son led with love, righteousness, peace, and used a non-combative tactic and appeared to allow the oppressor to keep oppressing his own people. That's the reason why many of the people didn't like Jesus because Jesus did not go after the government. He did not go after the Roman government. He did not uh, make any noise against Rome. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. And so he came with a different mindset. He came with a different ideology. He came with a different perspective. 
And today what I'm seeing even within our country, even within the church, that there are people, even those who call themselves Christ followers, are choosing Barabbas-like methodology to confront the situations of our day instead of being like Jesus. As for me, I choose Jesus. I don't know about you. Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus, the Mashiach, the Messiah, the one who died on the cross for you and for me. This other son, this other Bar Abba, son of a father, was combative. He was an insurrectionist. He was a murderer of those in authority over him and one who incited others to, as they say in the hood, fight the power. Right? And that was Jesus Barabbas. The one who came after the government, the one who would protest and march and have his signs and all those things. And what do we see today? We see a whole lot of marching. We see a whole lot of people raising signs. We see a whole lot of all kinds of stuff going on within our country to try to deal with the issue. But my brothers and sisters, let me tell you, we don't have a skin problem. We have a sin problem. And Jesus is the only one that dealt with this pandemic, this tree, with the root of sin that all of us were born with. We were all born in sin and shaped in iniquity. We all got issues. We all a little crazy. Amen, somebody. Yeah, yeah, I know y'all, y'all smelling good and looking good now, but amen, there's some dirt in all of our lives. You know, we got a little craziness in all of us. We, because sin, you ever wonder, you know, you talked about the children earlier. You ever wonder how and why you have to teach children one, two, threes, ABCs, colors and shapes, but you don't have to teach them how to lie. You don't have to teach them how to be selfish. It just comes up in them. You know, did you eat them cookies? No, crumbs all around in mouth. I ain't them. That wasn't me. Right. Um, when the when the other siblings or cousins or friends come around, mine, selfish. Everything is about them. You don't have to teach children how to be selfish. You don't have to teach children how to lie. You don't have to teach children how to be nasty and mean to each other because sin is on the inside of all of us. That's why the Bible says train them up in the way that they should go. Bring correction to them. The rod of correction will drive it out of them. As the Bible says in, in uh, Proverbs, foolishness is in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from them. Now, people uh, interpret the rod of correction in different ways, uh, but growing up in my household, they took it literally. Yes, they did. And uh, my mama said, I'm getting ready to work on your building. Building meaning my rear end. And... Um, you know, back in the day, teachers and principals could spank you and paddle you. And I remember I got my last paddling when I was in junior high school because I tried to skip school, skip uh, class and go to the bus early. And I remember the vice principal said to me, Mr. Alden, we can handle this one of two ways. I can call your dad or we can handle this right now with this paddle. And I proceeded to lean over and say, you need to... I say, please don't call my dad. If you know anything about that little short man, 
uh, I might not be able to come to school for the next couple of days. But these were the times, these were the days, and we grew up with a level of honor and respect of, for those in authority and, and for people. That's what we were, we were taught the Christ-centered way, to love God with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And who is our neighbor? Our neighbor is everybody other than us. All seven plus billion people on the planet are our neighbors, and we should love everybody as we love ourselves. You know, Jesus, when he came on on the scene, you know, he was a Jewish person, uh, as you know, and uh, all Jewish young fellows had to be bar mitzvah. That means mitzvah is law, son of the law, bar meaning son, as we Learn today about Bar Abbas, son of the father. Uh, Bar Mitzvah is son of the law. And the women, the girls, had to be Bat Mitzvah. They were daughters of the law. And they had to learn the law. They had to learn the laws, the 613 laws that govern the nation of Israel. And you know what I call it? I call that the FCAT version of the law. It's difficult. And Jesus said, listen, before he would die on the cross... Jesus said, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. For by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, by the love you have for one another. Paul comes along in Galatians 5.14, I believe it is, and said, if you love one another, you fulfill the law of Christ. Very next chapter, in the sixth chapter, in the second verse, he says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens, love one another. So basically, the Lord brought it down to this one law. Because you can't love God, as he said, as John said in 1 John, how can you love God whom you haven't seen if you can't love the image bearers of God that you do see? That's it. So how we treat image bearers, and who is the image bearer? Everybody you see, everybody you run into. How you treat the image bearer is how you treat the image maker. And that's the problem we have in our country. That is the problem we've had since its founding. We just celebrated 244 years of officially being a nation on yesterday. Um, but it's been going on. We, we live in a country. Yes, it's a great and good country. We live in the United States of America that's feeling like the divided states of America because people just ain't loving one another as Christ commands us. You know why? Because it's either going to be Jesus of Nazareth or it's going to be that other Jesus called Barabbas. Paul builds upon that point and says, if anybody comes and preaches or proclaims a different Jesus than the one that I'm preaching about, let that person be accursed because there's only one that really matters. I'll never forget my mom on her deathbed when she was giving us her benediction. And all of our children and grandchildren were either around 
her bed or watching by live video feed. And she said, he's the only thing that matters. And she repeated, Jesus is the only thing that matters. She said a lot more things, but those words are ringing in my ear. Jesus is the only thing that matters. Paul said it this way. I don't want to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I've, I've, been, I've been called into meetings uh, at different churches and different community organizations to talk about uh, racism in America and talk about uh, what's going on in our country uh, and what the church's posture and the church's response uh, should be being called into this conversation. And it's good. We need to talk about these things. But let me tell you something. If the solution that people are talking about don't include Jesus, then you ain't really hitting the real problem. Amen. Because a lot of people are dealing with the branches of the tree, but not dealing with the root of the tree. And the root is sin. Are y'all with me? So as we deal with this scene, Jesus of Nazareth and this other fellow named Barabbas. Both were arrested and were charged, convicted, sentenced to death. And when the Roman prefect ordered to spare one of them, the nation was given a choice of prisoners along with their associated tactics for dealing with the oppressor. One, Prince of Peace. The other, I'm going to be a hell raiser. I'm going to be a protester. I'm going to raise my sign. I'm going to try to get other folks to come and be a part of this thing. And I'm going to make a whole lot of noise and kill whoever I have to kill. We're going to loot whatever we have to loot, steal whatever we have to steal. But what we see in the day ain't no different than what was happening in Jerusalem. But Israel chose the one who would lead them with civil disobedience and physical weaponry and to fight against their oppressor. But the unchosen one would have to die a brutal death. And those who followed him would also need to be willing to die with him. Whom will you choose? Which tactic will you choose? As for me, my house, I choose I choose Jesus. When our grandchildren come over, they have fun. They'll get in the pool. They'll, uh, they love to watch Netflix and all kinds of stuff. But at some point in time, Gma is going to call them for some form of devotion. And, um, and I like to always pray and lay my hands on them and bless them and give them my blessing. I want them to know who Jesus is. I remember as we were raising our children, you know, as most probably many parents do, you know, I had a laundry list of stuff that I needed God to do for them. You know, so you know I had already had their life planned out for them, right? And, and uh, you know how parents do. We, we, just, we just, we map it out for them. And as we were going through life with them and circumstances and situations took place, I finally just limited my, my list to one thing. I erased everything 
God, you, know, you don't need to do all these other things. I just want one thing from them, that they might know you. That they would have an encounter with you. Because when you have an encounter with Jesus, all the other stuff will fall in place. Their future, their career, who they're going to marry, all those things. You know, we try to control a lot of stuff. And you know how it is with parents. You know, we know God is big enough to uh, handle and manage the affairs of the universe, but we feel like he needs help with our children. I'm going to help you out, Lord, because you, you, you might be a little bit too busy for mine. And I remember the Lord just speaking to my heart and saying, you step back and you let me have them. They belong to me. And I remember the Holy Spirit speaking something to me. He said, you are something I'll never be. I said, how can I be something that God won't be? He said, you are a grandfather. I'll never be a grandfather. I'm only a father. And I'm a father to you. I'll be a father to your children. I'll be a father to your grandchildren. I'll be a father to your great-grandchildren. You trained them up, step back, and let me have them. I choose Jesus. How about you? But to choose Jesus, it's not for the faint-hearted. Back in the day, we would say, this ain't for the punks. This ain't for the weak. Because to choose Jesus, you got to love the people that hate you. You got to bless those who curse you. You got to do good to them that despitefully use you. You got to forgive those who have wronged you. That includes everyone. I don't care what they've done. I don't care what they've said. I don't care how close they were to you. I don't care how distant they may have become because of whatever has been said or done. If you're going to be a Christ follower, if you're going to choose this Jesus, you got to let it go and forgive him. Got to do it. Because he said in doing so, you'll be called the children of my father. We got to honor and pray for our governmental leaders, whether good or oppressive, whether Righteous or unrighteous. You know, uh, these last 12 years, I have seen bigotry and racism uh, even in the church. And I'm going to tell you how, how it has reared its ugly head. Now, since 1976, when I was 10 years old, let me pause so y'all can do your math. Y'all trying to figure out how old I am. I'll be 54 this year. But ever since 1976, uh, with the presidential election of Jimmy Carter and, uh, uh, and um, Ford, uh, President Ford, um, I, stood, as I stayed up, I was in fifth grade, I believe it was, I remember staying up late trying to figure out who won the election. And of course, um, Ford, who took over from Nixon, lost to Jimmy Carter. And from that point on, I became a lover of politics and presidential politics at that. I always wanted to stay up and watch the inaugurations and uh, the elections on, you know, in November when we choose a president. Um, I always watched the State of the Union addresses 
And even when the president has um, um, press conferences, I like to hear and see what the president is talking about. I remember when I was working at the airport, whenever Air, uh, Air Force One would come in, uh, I think during those days it was uh, Clinton. Uh, I think it was Clinton. And I remember, you know, when I was working out there, the plane would come in and, man, it is the most beautiful plane in the world. Air Force One, because the president of the United States of America is flying on it. Wow. I remember when George Bush um, was leaving office and President Barack Obama came into office. And my prayer is always this at inaugurations when there is a change of power. Lord, thank you for our current president. Would you bless him and his wife as they go on into private life? There are choices and decisions they had, that he had to make, God, that may have been heart-wrenching. Give him peace in his time of retirement. And now, Lord, as the next president take the leadership of this nation, would you bless him? Would you strengthen him? Would you lead him, guide him, direct him? Would you give him wisdom and discernment? Watch over him and his family. Amen. We are called to pray for those who are in authority. But you know what I've seen in the last 12 years? People talking about the person in leadership and saying negative and terrible things about whoever is in authority. And the Bible clearly tells us that we are not to speak evil of the rulers of God's people. Or speak evil of the rulers of the people, rather. Paul said something negative against a leader, and he got rebuked. And, and this is in the book of Acts. And Paul clearly responded and said, you are right. I was not supposed to say that because the law says you should not speak evil of a ruler. But I have watched Republicans say bad things about President Obama, Barack Obama. I have seen Democrats speak evil of President Trump, our current president. Whether we vote for them or not, whether they were our choice or not, when the sovereign God makes his decision, we understand that while we live in a democracy, we, we are mostly not Americans and we're not Floridians and Orlando, uh, Orlandoans. We are Christians. We are citizens of the kingdom and we are followers of Christ. And because of that, our job is to pray for and honor those who are in leadership. I honored President uh, Carter. After him was Reagan for eight years. I honored Reagan. After him was George H.W. Bush. We honored him. After him was President Clinton. We honored him. After him was George W. Bush. We honored him. After him was President Barack Obama. We honored him. Now it is President Donald Trump. We honor him. Our governor is Governor DeSantis. We honor him. We have mayors in all of our cities. We honor them. We honor our pastors. As you know, like, that's why in my tradition, growing up in church, there is no way a person could come and preach and, and not give honor to 
the pastor of that house. That's just what we do. Giving honor to the pastor and his wife. That's what I grew up hearing. That's what we do. That's our, that's, that's our tradition. You honor those who are in leadership. But I've seen white Christian people say terrible things about Barack Obama. I've seen black people say terrible things about President Trump. We may not like decisions and laws, but our job as believers is to honor them and pray for them. And I'm being literally in conversations and people, like they, they say it without fear. Man, that I, Barack Obama, uh, Trump, uh, what, what, yeah, we, I told you we all crazy. <laughs> Obama had issues. Trump got issues. Bush had issues. Clinton had issues. Reagan, all of them, going all the way back to George Washington, they all got issues. Now folks just want to tear down statues and everything. They want to tear down everything. The reality of it is, ain't none of that going to do nothing because we have a heart problem. It's not a physical problem. It's a heart problem. And when we can't look at another brother or sister as an image bearer of God, then we all got issues. It's a sin issue. Y'all all right this morning? Y'all with me? I just know that when it comes to following Christ, we got to be different. My solution, you know, when, I'm, when, they, when they call me into conversations, David, what you think? I said, first of all, I, I, I don't speak for all black people now. I'm not here speaking for, as a representative of the black community, a black pastor. I come as a voice for the, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I serve at the pleasure of a king. His name is Jesus, and he is the sovereign ruler over all nations. God said in his word, amen. Go, you go ahead and clap. I like that. Come on now. The book of Daniel said, God says, I rule in the kingdom of men. And I will give the kingdom to whoever I want, to even to the lowliest of people. So how is it that we get upset of whoever wins elections? Because whoever wins, it's God's sovereign act at, at work. And we should just honor God and give God thanks. I ain't tripping about who winning in November. Trump and Biden crazy. All both of them crazy. I'm crazy. All of us are crazy. I hope it's not in who uh, is who will win elections. I hope it's not in the Republican Party. I hope it's not in the Democratic Party. I hope it's in the kingdom of God. I hope it's in Jesus. I hope it's in He who died on the cross for us all. And until we shift from living down here and sitting with Him in heavenly places, as Paul said in Ephesians then we're going to get caught up in all this craziness. Don't give me no sign. I don't want to march. I ain't marching for nobody. I don't march. I ain't lifting no sign. If it's a sign I'm going to lift up, I got the banner of Jesus. I'm following Jesus. I'm going to preach Jesus. I'm going to love Jesus. And when I run into you, I'm going to love you. You ain't got to love me back. You don't have to do it. I remember many years ago, we was 
my wife and I was on our date night at a restaurant. We didn't get good service. And the only thing that I could really think about was, why didn't we get good service and everybody else around us did? It's because we were black. And I remember um, uh, when we were leaving, I took out probably the best tip that that person ever seen, ever or certainly that night, and laid it right there on the table. We didn't get good service. I gave that person the best tip uh, they, they, they probably received that night or certainly in a long time. Well, where did I get that from? You know what Romans 12 say? Don't be overcome with evil. But overcome evil by what? By doing what? Good. These ain't just verses of scripture that we memorize and teach in Sunday school and teach in the children's ministry and say, oh, and then the kids come out with their little painting, you know, the little car and say, look, mommy, look what we painted. We painted the little Roman scripture that says do good. Listen, we are supposed to live this way. This is supposed to be a lifestyle. This is supposed to be the way we govern ourselves. This greater than the Constitution and all of its amendments. We have a Constitution. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords has given us his Constitution, and it's the Word of God. And if we're going to live in this nation as citizens of a foreign kingdom, because this ain't our home, y'all. America ain't our home. No place on this earth is our home. This is not our home. We are pilgrims. The old folks used to say it like this. We are pilgrims passing through. We're citizens of a different country, a different kingdom. And we are planted here to blossom with the glory of Jesus. And to win people over to the kingdom. I honor our president. But greater than him, I live I live under a monarch. And it's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm a Christian first. I'm not American. I'm not Orlando. I'm not black first. I, you know, I know whatever my skin color might tell me. But I'm, I'm colored in red. I'm a red man. I'm colored in the blood of Jesus. I follow him. I choose Jesus. A lot of this wasn't even in my notes. I don't know why I went this way today. <laughs> where we at? I don't forgot where we were. Let's see. Let me bring this message home. Because when I think about where we are, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus Barabbas, son of the father, son of a father. And Jesus said, to the religious people, you are of your father, the devil. So God is father. Satan is a father. There is no in-between. It's either one or the other. You're either going to live as a citizen of the king, of the kingdom of God where Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, and you are, you are bound by this constitution, or are you going to live as a follower of Barabbas. I don't have time to follow this other fellow. I don't have time to be harboring in my heart uh, any issues. I don't care what it is. Until you can uh, forgive and let go what 
people have said or done, you would never be able to go on into your future. You ever wonder why when you're driving, there's a big windshield and a small rearview mirror? Because you're supposed to keep your eyes straight ahead. And we only use our rearview mirror every now and then just to see who's, what's coming behind. But what would happen to us if we just stared in the rearview mirror? I just got to keep looking back at what happened in the past. I just got to keep my eyes on back then. Then you will never be able to be safe going into your future. Paul said it this way in Philippians 3. Forgetting those things that you are behind. And I'm going to press what? Basically he said I'm going to press onward and upward for a prize of a higher calling. Let me just say this, brothers and sisters. Before the cross, before the cross, one of them was going to have to die. Give us Jesus, give us Barabbas. And you know what the people chose. They said give us Barabbas. So before the cross, one of them must die. Guess what? After the cross, one still has to die. If, if, if Jesus dies here, we all can live. But after the cross, if Jesus dies, none lives. What do I mean by that? Paul said, I die daily. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow him. Which means only your flesh or your spirit can be alive. If your flesh lives, your spirit is going to be rendered uh, helpless or inoperable. But if the spirit of God lives within you, then the flesh has to die. Both cannot live. You either going to have one or you going to have the other. Choose. One of them must die. Barabbas is not just a person in Scripture. Barabbas is also a choice. Which Jesus will you choose? Jesus Christ, who is the author and finisher of our faith, or Jesus Barabbas, who is led by works and the flesh? The Jesus who liberates or the one who enslaves us to sin? Freedom or bondage? Righteousness or unrighteousness? Holiness or worldliness, life or death, blessing or cursing, whoever dies, the other lives. Whoever lives, the other dies. There is a Barabbas in each of us, and we all have that same choice. So really, Barabbas is us, sinners, sinners. Murderers, adulterers, fornicators. We all got a little nastiness going on. But unless you choose Christ and him crucified, you will not be able to live. So will you let Jesus live in you? Will you let him live in you? And I'm not talking about how we put on our game face when we come into the sanctuary. Y'all know, you know what the game face is? 
You literally have husbands and wives that are at odds with each other, but will sit next to each other in the sanctuary to make everybody think they're all right. And then when they get in the car, they don't say a word to each other. And then when they get home, they sleep in separate beds. All those worship songs we sing, are they alive in you? Those worship songs mean nothing if we don't plan to live it. Coming to worship means nothing if we don't plan to live it. Those of you who are watching online, though if you don't plan to live it, then why bother? I am not going to sing songs and come in here and worship and not plan to live it. I'm going to love my wife as Christ loved the church. I'm going to love my sons and daughters and my grandchildren and my neighbors and my friends. Jeff, ain't nothing you can do to unfriend me. Nothing. We brothers. We linked at the hip, man. We, we are brothers. We're friends. I love you. Katie, the children, King's Chapel, I love you. You got greatness in this room. You got greatness in this ministry. And yeah, God has a way of using circumstances and situations to propel us into our purpose, right? But don't look at what propelled you into purpose. Look at the God who's behind it all. Because at the end of the day, King's Chapel, you're my family. At the end of the day, Orangewood is still my family. At the end of the day, First Baptist, First Prayers, all the churches that have believers in it are my family. And I ain't got no issue with nobody. I haven't always been treated well, but I don't have time to be trying to figure out how you treat me. I'm going to put all of my energy in how I'm going to treat you. Because at the end of the day, I am a Christ follower. And he got up on the cross and said, well, Father, forgive them. That's what he said. Let it go. All y'all frozen people. Let it go, let it go, let it go. I don't even know the word. I bet them kids back there know it. Let it go. They can sing all the verses, I bet. Let it go. Bible says the last side, every weight, every sin that's so easily beset. I ain't got time to be carrying weights around. I ain't got time to be hating on you and being mad with you. I ain't got time for that. Not when Jesus has done so much for me. I'm a Christ follower. Bless the people that curse you. Love them that hate you. Do good to them that despitefully use you. That's, that's the Jesus way. That's the Jesus way. And King's Chapel, and I say this prophetically with the authority God has given me. There's another level of blessing that will come on this ministry when you can bless where you come from. That's a Selah moment. Y'all know when you see Selah in song, it means to stop, pause, soak that in. 
Don't read, don't go to the next verse so soon. Soak that in. Bless where you come from. So that God can bless you in your now and in your future. That's what I preach, that's what I teach, and that's what Jesus teach. Let it go. I wish I had a Christian version of that song. Let it go. Let's go on into victory. Because guess what, church? I believe our best days are still in front of us. I really do believe it. I believe this is the time for the church to rise up. It is. I'm excited about what God is doing. Because guess what? God's got to clean up the church. You know why racism is what it is in America and in the world? Because it's in the church. You know how it was fueled? How slavery was fueled since 1619? People read verses of scripture and applied those misinterpreted verses of scripture to their current context to enslave another human being. It was in the church. I don't know why I'm saying all that, but let me just say this and I'll be done. This is my second closing. You know, black preachers get three. (laughs) Anybody ever heard of the AME church? It is the African Methodist Episcopal. You know why it exists? It exists because the white Methodists didn't want the black Methodists to worship with them. And they put them in the balcony, put the black folks in the balcony. And then two of the leaders and founders found themselves on the altar praying. And those white believers felt like they were in the way. And one of the leaders told them, you all would be better off starting your own communion than to stay in ours. It wasn't John Wesley's idea. It was racist ideologies. And so now you have the African Methodist Episcopal. They're still Methodists. But we got to worship separately because our brothers and sisters don't want us worshiping with them. All these, this is part of our history and our country. It's the church. And guess what God is using this whole COVID-19? You know, you know, people ask, you know, is it God? I say, well, whether God instituted it or not, he certainly has sovereignly used it. And, and see, God is an opportunist, too. I'm going to take the opportunity to use this COVID-19. So what has he come after? He came after. You, let me just say it this way. Y'all remember uh, Egypt, uh, Moses in Egypt? How many plagues? Ten? Do y'all know each of those ten plagues came after a different God? So anytime there's a plague, it comes after, plagues come after gods. God uses plagues to come after gods. And watch what happened in our country when COVID hit. What's become a God in our country? Sports, gone. Entertainment, gone. Education, affected. It ain't gone, just had to do it a different way, right? But everything is being affected. But guess what's being affected too? The church. There's no more pomp and circumstance and 
there's, you know, all the, all the lights, camera, action stuff, and all the stuff that we've made to be church. What's left are churches simply having to preach and teach the word of God. We've become socially distant so that we can really see that we really do miss being with each other. And it's time for the church, the pastors, and the prophetic voices to stand and preach and teach truth like never before. We are in our finest hour, in my opinion. Because guess what? The gates of hell won't prevail against the church. Anybody remember reading that in the scripture? Ain't nothing going to affect the church. We're the bride of Christ. We bad. We got it going on. Because we have a Lord and a Savior who is fighting for us and say, I don't care what happens, there is nothing that's going to take my church out. And the church of Jesus Christ, we're in our best days coming up. Why? Because I believe Jesus is soon to come. His return is imminent. I don't know if it will be within my lifetime, but you know what? Growing up in church, that's all the old saints used to speak about. When we were kids, baby, Jesus is soon to come. Be ready when he comes. That message has to return. Jesus is coming back. And will he find faith in you and me when he returns? I give you Jesus of Nazareth or Jesus Barabbas. Which one will you choose? Which son will you choose? If it's Jesus of Nazareth, follow him. And if you follow him, then do good. Represent him well. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for this opportunity, God, to speak to my brothers and sisters here at King's Chapel. Thank you, God, for uh, the wonderful family of God that you've brought together in this season. I pray, God, that you would anoint the, the voice, the leader that you have placed here, the shepherd of this house, God, my brother and friend, Pastor Jeff Jakes, would you anoint him like never before? Would you bless him and his wife and children and grandchildren like never before? And this congregation like never before. God, I pray that your anointing would reside upon this place, that you would bless every member, that you would bless every family, that you would bless those who come and gather, God, gather physically and those who would gather by way of uh, social media. God, would you bless them, bless the entire congregation, bless the church at large. God, I pray you bless Pastor Tyler Goff and the Orangewood. Bless God, Dr. David Swanson and First Prayers. God, bless Pastor David Youth. I pray that you touch his body, God, and raise him up. Give him a speedy recovery, God, from that which he had to endure recently. And bless the family at First Baptist. Bless our lead pastor, Pastor David Jacques, at the Kingdom Church, God. Bless, God, uh, Bishop Wiggins at the Hope Church, God. Bless, God, all of the pastors in this city, God. Bless, God, uh, the Redeeming Light Center Church and Pastor Jermaine, God, Reynolds today, God, as he has to bury his precious wife. Give them strength in the funeral today, God. Bless Mayor Eddie Cole of Eatonville, whose daughter, who, that's his daughter as well, God, that you would touch that father and touch her mother and her siblings, God. They're, they're missing her, God. We know Michelle is welcome into the presence of God and that she is more alive today than she's ever been. 
But God, there's a family, there's a church, there is an entire community, a city, even parts of this country that has been affected by her death. But I pray that you bless Pastor Jermaine, bless Thomas Brown, the overseer there at Redeeming Light Center Church. God, I pray that you bless my friend Sylvester Robinson at Love Fellowship. I just pray for the body of Christ, the family of God. Be with us today and in the days to come. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.